friends and welcome to the second season of the I Belong Here podcast. I'm so excited to bring this new season to all of you and thank you so much for staying with us during the first one, for all the sharing, retweeting, posting, etc. I'm so excited for you to discover all the new role models that we have interviewed because you are going to listen to lots of stories, lots of backgrounds, lots of cool science and overall lots of women empowerment. So now, sit back, relax, and have fun listening to all the episodes. And she said, don't you change, but I can't help these thoughts up in my brain, yeah. She breaking me down, she loving me. Hey guys, welcome to this new episode of the I Belong Here podcast. Um, I'm really excited for the guests that you guys are going to listen about today. Her name is Sabaun. Hey Sabaun. Hello. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you today? I'm great and feelings <laughs> are mutual. <laughs> yeah. We've been planning this interview for so long and finally it's happening. I'm so excited uh, that you guys know about her story and her work. Um, so you are based in Pakistan, right? Yes, I'm, uh, I basically belong to Peshawar uh, mm -hmm. in Pakistan, which is called the City of Flowers. I know about it that it's called uh, City of Flowers because uh, there are a few songs about it. Mm. This is the City of Flowers, but I don't know about the history. So oh. I can just say that it's City of Flowers. Yeah, yeah. no, no, it sounds really cool, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. So, guys, uh, for our listeners today, I want you to listen closely to uh, Sabam's description because the science that she does is amazing. Um, so listen to this. Um, Sabaun is a research assistant at the Precision Medicine Lab, PML, in Peshawar, Pakistan, and she has earned her Master in Bioinformatics from NUST, Islamabad. She aims to explore and integrate multi-omics cancer data to discover effective cancer diagnostics and therapeutics. At PML, Sabaun has established a database named CMOS, an encyclopedia of head and neck squamous cell carcinoma cell lines with their respective multi-omics stacks. Currently, she's leading the functional screens group at BML and is responsible for conducting functional screens on patient-derived primary cancer cell lines. Sabaun is passionate about becoming an impactful cancer scientist and disseminates her acquired knowledge and experience in the Pakistani community to attract more youngsters into STEM. Right, so I have like a zillion questions about your science because I think I mentioned this uh, sometimes in some episodes, but also on my uh, on the first episode of this podcast, which was my story. Um, I did my master research project in a pharmaceutical company. <clears throat> and basically, uh, we were screening a lot of cancer cell lines and we were basically trying to discover targets of different compounds. So I'm really interested in the cancer world, the screening, uh, you know, drug therapy for different cancer cell lines. So uh, I'm really interested in your job. Uh, so can you please tell us a bit more about what you do? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, at PML, uh, basically, I started off uh, 
with lab establishment and management because mm-hmm. it was a, a completely new lab. We were the first um, people who entered the lab. Mm. And uh, so at that time, uh, what I did was that I worked on cancer models mm-hmm. specifically, and uh, I worked on the establishment of cancer cell models, with, uh, specifically the primary cancer cell models. So in the process, uh, what I did was that I collected all the information based on demographics, primary cell culture protocols, xenograph models, multiomic data sets, mm. mutations reported in uh, head and extremis cell carcinoma. Mm. And I accumulated all that data into a database uh, which is called cells with multiomic stacks, mm. and we call it basically CMOS. Mm. So, as I had already worked on the protocols and the reagents, so I co collaborated with my colleague Khadija Saleem and I helped her uh, in making our protocols, which we call PML protocols, mm. and uh, also. Um, Apart from that, we uh, worked on the SOPs that are uh, required for growing any cancer uh, cell in the lab. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's like um, like a massive screening project, right? Because it seems from what you just told that, well, that's a lot of work, right? Collecting all that data and establishing that database, that uh, supposedly it can be used for many different things, right? Exactly, exactly. Mm. So uh, basically uh, what we are doing in uh, PML is we have this uh, government-funded project, mm. which is basically the whole exome sequencing of uh, oral cancer uh, patient samples and uh, how we can benefit uh, from it and benefit the society basically for mm. the, the cancer patients. So what we're uh, trying to do is we are growing these cancer models from those samples that are collected uh, from the patients. Mm-hmm. So we have this proper pipeline. Uh, we, ha- we are in collaboration with different hospitals in Peshawar and we get samples from there and uh, then we uh, bring it to lab and then um, in Khadija, she cultures it. And then we are planning uh, on using those cell lines for different processes, uh, which uh, are, we are basically designing protocols um, in the functional screens, basically. Mm-hmm. So we are looking into different assays, either they are drug assays or uh, natural uh, compound assays mm-hmm. and RNAi screens and CRISPR-Cas9. Ooh, so, just uh, like as I told uh, you earlier that the functional screens it's like a baby now Uh, (laughs) I have (laughs) I have worked on uh, it for like the past one and a half year Mm. I'm looking into all these large-scale screens that are going uh, out there like in the broad institute or in the sanger institute either it's project achilles project drive Mm. either it's a connectivity map or prism or project score i uh, what i did was collect all the information 
all the substantial information that we can use in our lab mm. uh, and yeah that's how it is and now uh, basically we are working on uh, different uh, strategies different protocols that uh, through which we can uh, help our community yes well that sounds like a so so relevant uh, labor of what you're doing um you actually answer one of my next questions because I was going to ask you if you take these samples from hospitals nearby you or your region. Um, do you, you know, when you collect the samples from patients, do you um, like include different uh, patient variations such as genetic predispositions or metastases, for example, or uh, patient biometrics, if that makes sense, because obviously in cancer, um, genetics also play a, a big role on these and, you know, cancers that they have metastases, they will have different properties than those cancers who have not moved yet, perhaps, you know, that's related to a stiffness of the environment and the tumor as well. So yeah, I was just curious if you, for, because you are creating this massive database that is going to help your community, I will assume that as much cases you include and more variations from patient to patient, that will be more representative, right? Yeah, so yeah, sure. So uh, before going into what uh, we do and how we do is, I'll start with the database basically. So. Mm. We basically uh, looked into the cancer models and collected all that information because we were uh, looking for the relevant information that we should ask our we should ask our patients yeah. or we should ask the doctors. Mm. So I collected data on nine seventy nine established head and neck cancer cell lines. Oh my God! So from that, yeah, from from that, what we came to know is that in the demographic section, they mentioned the TNM stage, either they had like uh, HPV or not, mm. uh, their age, their gender, yeah. mm -hmm. and all the information uh, like the mutations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm -hmm. So what we do is that we have this proper uh, pipeline with the consent form and with the history form. Yeah. So we take all the information that we require uh, based on the literature that the people out there are taking from their patients. And it also uh, has the uh, information on if either if they are having any viral infection, any bacterial infection, mm -hmm. uh, any uh, treatments that are being uh, performed and then and then we don't take those patients that have been gone through the chemos and the radios mm. because we are looking for treatment uh, naive patients. Of course, uh, yeah. We are looking for the uh, mutations as well that either uh, any test they have done for any specific mutation. So yeah, yeah we are looking into each and every aspect of uh, the data that we require, which is, mm. uh, which is significant for our future research. Exactly. Yeah. I will say that's uh, so important to have a collection of data like that because I think I think one of the issues, obviously, science has advanced a lot in the term in terms of the cancer treatment world in medicine. But I think when you want to treat a patient with cancer, you want to avoid general 
chemotherapies or radiotherapies that perhaps are not adapted to this patient. And to be honest, this happens with many other uh, diseases in the human body. I work in musculoskeletal pathologies and the treatments that are available right now are like one size fits all. And sometimes for a patient will work, but for the next one, it's not going to work. And sometimes yeah. the situation yeah. can get worse and something that you deal with, which is as serious as head and neck carcinoma. I think that all the research that you guys are doing, setting up a super, super solid baseline to, to help your community and to treat them in the future, it's so important. And I was so curious to talk to you about these things because it's something that I've never heard about, you know, having such a solid research from the very beginning about collecting these about patients to help them properly in the future mm -hmm. um so i think it's it's amazing what what you guys are doing in your lab yeah so well thank done you, <laughs> thank you so much uh, well done to our pi basically uh because he has worked very hard to make this happen mm. uh, you would know that hedonic cancers are common but they are not that much common in the outer world uh, yeah. when, when when you look into these large-scale screens they're mostly working on the bigger cancers like breast cancer colorectal or pancreatic mm. prostate etc but what what they call is uh, the head and neck or basically as we are working on oral squamous cell carcinoma specifically mm. they call it the poor man disease mm. and uh, according to the stats, um, after India, Pakistan is more uh, at uh, more affected by OSCC. Mm. So that's why we selected the OSCC mm. because uh, it's it's not well represented in the large scale screen. And what yeah. we are planning to do is that uh, we send our cell lines so that uh, our uh, community or our, uh, the cell lines from our patients can be uh, included in the studies that are happening at the broad institute of or course. that are happening at any of the yes. institutes that are working on large-scale screens. So mm -hmm. this is very important. Uh, and I it think is. everyone should work on the uh, rare diseases or even the diseases that are for poor people, uh, basically. Yes. Well, this is like, I am fascinated. And obviously the audience cannot see us, but my eyes are like so open to everything that you are saying, because I just think it's so relevant and also so inclusive, which is really relevant to this podcast, <laughs> you know. Um, it's, you, you are doing science, but at the same time, you are fomenting inclusivity and representation of your community to do science and, and to treat people. And I think that's so beautiful and so, 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 so relevant for, for science, you know? And it's, I think you're right when we hear about cancer, I don't think we realize that perhaps the screenings that they were done, they were done in other countries where those cancers are common there, but you don't really realize that there is other cancers that are common in other regions, perhaps with less economical resources, but they are also important to treat the community because those are important throughout your region, if that makes sense. So 
Wow. So well done to you guys for, for leading that. It's, it's amazing. Um, I would love to see that in, in action. I am a freak about cell lines. So I will <laughs> actually love to see all those cells from different patients growing yeah. because I'm pretty sure each cell line is different and perhaps exactly. different, different morphology, different behavior, different replication. And that, that things fascinates me so, so, so much. So as we call it well that done. every cell is a whole new universe. <laughs> it is, it is. I've been working with cell lines for the past, I don't know, eight, nine years. And I've never seen two cell lines that are the same. They are always exactly. different. Always they have different behaviors, different replication rates, different. And that's, that's, area of science fascinates me um so well done and i will keep asking you questions about science for like 10 years but i cannot do that so <laughs> i think we have a pretty good idea of what you guys do in the lab and as i mentioned in the introduction about about you and your research you just got your master's degree and I would like to know, how did you become to this point? How do you became, you know, a master's student? Was science always in you since you were a child? Is this something that you realized, I don't know, late in high school or I don't know, in, in your bachelor's? Like what, how this happened? How did you decide to, to become a cancer scientist? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's such a cliche line, but I would say right? that... <laughs> I'm the first person who oh. I'm, I'm the first research of see, researcher of my family. Basically, oh. nobody uh, in my family is in the science field. Mm. Yeah, we have a lot of doctors, we have a lot of engineers, but they are not uh, that much enthusiastic about research. So mm. they are just doing their jobs. Yes, their yeah, normal jobs. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, starting from my childhood, I was, uh, I, I became passionate about science or I got in, uh, got into science. Uh, there was a, there was a cartoon named Dexter's Laboratory. Oh, I know that the tiny guy with the red hair. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. So, uh, I, I loved it. Yeah. Like, Whenever I came back from school, it, it was uh, it, it was a ritual basically that oh. I used to sit in front of the uh, TV and I used to have my lunch and I used to watch what he was doing. <laughs> whenever, whenever he uh, woke up, he used to start his day with what this is a new day for science. Yes. So, <laughs> I was a kid. I didn't know about what science is, but mm. I had this picture in my mind that this is a guy and he's working in an underground lab <laughs> or a room where he's <laughs> discovering things, he's, where he's working on different things. So, yeah, it all started from that point. Then oh, that's so later cute. <laughs> on, later on, when whenever uh, people used to ask me that, my uncle and aunts, they used to ask me that, uh, Sipaun, what do you want to become? And I, uh, or my class teacher, when she used to ask everyone that, what do you want to become? Everyone used to say that I want to become a doctor. I want to become a teacher. I want to become a, um, an engineer or something. Hmm. And I always used to say that I want to be a scientist. A scientist. <laughs> <laughs> and you won't believe it, that I didn't know that how am I going to be a scientist? Yes. But I had this thing in my mind that, yes, I'm, I have to become a scientist. Yes, determination. 
yeah and later on i initially uh, chose uh microbiology for my bachelor's degree uh because i was very fascinated with the small people out there living with us uh having our same environment and everything mm -hmm. um but but sadly uh uh that curiosity came in uh, came to an end because of uh, the education system that we have over here because uh, whatever you like, whatever you uh, love, or uh, they, they just kill it the way they teach you. Mm, okay, that's <laughs> sad. And secondly, um, in my uh, final year, uh, so we get these projects. So uh, because of uh, because of not having enough funds, I uh, didn't get to uh, do my research uh, mm. so uh, which which basically uh, what I did was that then I uh, did an internship uh, at a hospital so yeah I, I filled that gap with it um, but but due to my curious nature and everything I am very curious individual so <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for something else uh, I, I wanted to do something else so uh, I, I would like to mention that how I got right after uh, microbiology, how I got into the cancer field, yeah. why I did cancer field. So in my family, cancer is uh, very common. Like mm -hmm. a lot of my aunts, uncles, uh, even recently one of my aunts died uh, due to cancer. Oh. So right from the start, I... I always wanted to cure cancer because mm. it's it's very difficult, but it I is. also wanted to cure it. So I, uh, what I did was that I was uh, searching for if there was any cancer-related uh, subject or cancer-related field that I can opt for my master's uh, degree, uh, mm. but there was none. So uh, I had a I had a professor in my bachelor's. Um, I, I met him basically uh, while I was doing my internship. And he, uh, at that time, he, uh, came, he, he came from uh, Canada, basically. Mm -hmm. So he told me about bioinformatics, about data, about the importance of data and how you can explore it and how you can take potential information from uh, all the huge data that we have out there. So that was the point that I uh, got into bioinformatics. Mm -hmm. And that was the point when I quenched my thirst of <laughs> being in the cancer field. And I worked on cancer therapeutics uh, mm. in my master's. And I worked on uh, H. pylori induced gastric cancer. And luckily, luckily, I'm very uh, lucky and I'm very privileged that I got into Precision Medicine Lab because uh, mm. they are working on cancer uh, only. Not only cancer, but like they're hugely working on cancer. Yes. Wow. Uh, your story <laughs> is fascinating, Sabaun. Yeah. It's just, um, it's funny in a way how we sometimes... Uh, in this specific countries, we take education for granted and opportunities that are just given to us for granted, you know. Um, I never thought um, 
as you know the educational system that it was stopping me from you know going to a master's a PhD or something or or someone to actively stopping you for going whenever you, whatever you want to go and i think sometimes we don't think about this in another regions of the world this might be a problem i'm also the first scientist of my family so i understand you know the perplexity of your family looking at you like a scientist why <laughs> you know like why do you want to do that it's just um i understand completely my dad uh, he's um, an air traffic controller. Uh, well, he was because now he's retired. And um, I remember when I told him, well, I want to be a scientist. And basically he could, uh, you know, introduce me to his job because I was his daughter. So he could just put me yeah. there, if that makes sense, and access mm. that world. And I was yeah. like, no, I want to follow this. I, you know, I'm a really curious child and I, I just want to do science. I want to improve lives of the patients much better. I want to, uh, you know, pursue the curiosity, my natural curiosity. And I remember he was like, fine. <laughs> if that's what you want to do, fine. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you, um, you have done so, 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 so well in, in pursuing your, your, your dreams of being a scientist. And I think yeah. this is why I wanted to have you in the podcast because people mm -hmm. like you are, a really serious and important role model for the next generation of scientists. And also um, growing in a community that perhaps is not as accessible to science as others, if that makes sense. So you are doing an amazing job and I hope you know that. And, and I know I can see from your words and the way you explain your science that you are super passionate about what you do. And I think that's the perfect recipe to success in science. Um, we were talking about this earlier, science is full of politics. And I think um, yeah. you can be, you can, you can drown in, in politics and forget about that science is a passionate job. You need to like it, yeah. not only to succeed, but also to, to be content with it and just keep pursuing it. Otherwise, it's a very tough job. It's a very isolating job. And I think you are doing amazing. And also you are an amazing representation for your community as well. Um, uh, so respect yeah. to totally for, for, for your story, yeah. seriously. Uh, I, I would like to add here uh, that not just me, but over the past years, uh, a lot of girls, mm. basically a lot of girls are opting for a scientific research mm. career. And as I said earlier, that uh, we are a women-dominated lab. That's amazing. In PML, <laughs> we have fewer guys. Oh, <laughs> there are wow. Guys and, uh, there are more girls and we are working day and night. Every one of uh, us, like all the girls. Amazing. And I, I don't, um, I, I really want uh, them uh, to be out there and people should know about them uh, but I'm lucky enough to have uh, to have given the, uh, to have been given this platform uh, to uh, introduce mm. myself to the outer community. But uh, but uh, the girls over here in Pakistan, uh, the world is changing basically. Yeah, like a lot of people think that in Pakistan, uh, uh, girls are not getting proper education mm. and girls are being oppressed. Mm. But 
I would like to add here that we are not anymore because yes. girls are getting more aware. The parents, uh, they are getting more aware of uh, the thing that girls are equally important hmm. uh, for the development of a country yeah. uh, or for the success of a country. And more girls are uh, coming to the scientific research field or any field if that is of arts if that is uh, engineering or mm. any field mm-hmm. mm, so, so the dynamics of Pakistan have completely changed mm. you won't believe it but when I was doing my masters we have in the class of 26 we just have had uh, four guys <laughs> all of them girls <laughs> so so, so you see these things and you're like, wow, amazing. Mm. Girls are doing so much and mm. girls are putting all their energy into succeeding and making uh, their country succeed. Yes. So that's amazing. Like salute to all the girls in Pakistan and any country that is not well represented. Yes. Power to you, girls. Yes. Well, <laughs> I think I think at this point you are gonna make me cry, so. <laughs> because this is this is so good. Like this is so yeah. important for me as well. To, um, I mean, my, the podcast. This podcast is still relatively small, but I want to keep working to give girls like you a platform to discuss not only your science but also the representation of your community and to demystify different communities uh, and, and just showcase the amazing job that female scientists are doing. You know, like you said, working day and night, um, just keep going, you know, against any bias or any, I don't know, gender, religious bias that are around um, women, because this is so important for science. And you guys are probably setting up a much better example than others that they just have, I don't know, education for granted or the representation is for granted. So this is why I want to include as many diverse role models as possible in this podcast. And I'm pretty sure that, well, I'm pretty sure, no, like I am sure that you are setting up this amazing example for all the girls that are listening to us and for all the girls that are wanting to do a career in science in Pakistan as well. Because if they see that you can do it, you guys have this amazing system, they will feel more likely to do so as well, even if they feel that there is a challenge for them to access science. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm tearing up. This is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is this is an amazing uh, example for for everyone really, and I have so much respect for for the things that you guys do, and this is something that I wanted to ask you as well because I think there is a general uh, view, and I, I agree with that view that the higher you go up in the academic ladder, the less women we have. Um, exactly my undergrad and my master's degree as well was highly dominated by women. And at this point, I am a senior postdoc in my lab, in my current job. And most all environments, all the groups that I see are men dominated. And the higher up that I try to see, the more men I see. Mm -hmm. So 
in my career, I want to fight against this. And you, you have your master's now. I assume your next step will be to access a PhD degree, uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So what do you think about um, also linking everything that we have been discussing up to now? You know, uh, if you are going to be still based in Pakistan and just keep with your amazing research and, and your, uh, your lab and your colleagues and everything, how do you see the accessibility of, uh, to science to higher um, positions in, in academic environments? Is this a challenge still for, for women or do you think this is something that is becoming more accessible, like you said, both to girls and to parents uh, as well? Uh, this is such a nice question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you were asking me this question, a lot of things that has been happened in mm. my life, they went through my mind. Okay, this is amazing. Let's go one by yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, about the gender bias, I would mm -hmm. really say that it still exists. Yeah. And even in not even not in the developing countries but in the developed countries as well mm -hmm. if you look back a uh, few centuries back uh if, if it was any female scientist either it was Marie curie or mm -hmm. i would uh, i would say if it was uh rosalind franklin yeah her uh her her work was being hijacked by yes, men. yes, by men, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, by men. So I, I think over the centuries, men are just, men are highly privileged species. Yes. Yeah, they are, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if, if you look into the research that, not, I would ju not just uh, limit uh, it to the research field, but even if you look into arts, if you look into natural sciences, into social sciences, mm -hmm. Whatever women do, they are questioned twice. Yes. But when men do something, they're not even questioned. No, they're it's like, just wow, taken as a positive this thing. Is an yes. amazing, yeah, this is an amazing idea. Even uh, if uh, they object on something, the girls, uh, it's not taken seriously. Mm -hmm. So this, this is a very uh, huge gap that we have to fill and i know it's very difficult mm -hmm. it won't even happen in the coming few centuries but mm. i hope that people will get more awareness not uh, not the girls but mm -hmm. basically the guys yes. the younger generation if they uh when, when they come to a point when they come to a position uh they should think about giving equal opportunities yes uh, equal uh, equal salaries yeah yeah so this is a very uh, huge gap and mm -hmm. i think it uh, it needs to be filled uh, when when you look around women are working twice as men yeah they are uh, looking into their families, taking care of their family, their kids. Hmm. They're also working in, uh, they're also working uh, and excelling in their careers, mm -hmm. but uh, they are not 
pro- being properly appreciated they are no. <laughs> uh, not heard no and not they taken seriously not either identified they're not taken seriously so mm. um i i don't know how it's going to change but mm-hmm. uh and and what i uh see uh, how i see myself in the coming few years so i really want to opt for uh, a phd degree mm-hmm. uh, in cancer and i'm also uh, currently i'm looking into that mm-hmm. uh, and, and i want to uh, do my phd uh, from um, somewhere outside pakistan mm-hmm. so that i can uh, get more exposure mm. i can uh, and and whatever i learn from there i leverage it uh, when coming back to pakistan i can leverage my knowledge or my my expertise and do really do something for my community yes so that's what i want but on the gender wise thing i think it's uh, it's hitting places <laughs> yes it is yes yes yeah yes. It's, it's very hurting and i i hope that our pi's our seniors yes. the senior uh, scientists out there they should really think about it yes that who is working how much yes who is putting how much energy into their work hmm. and based on that they should uh give credits yes so that's all yes and i think this is um i think this is like a double sided uh coin whatever it's the expression in english i i was thinking about the expression in spanish but i have no translation in english uh but what i mean what i'm trying to say is that there's a double side here i think yeah. senior academics or it doesn't have to be academia it can be industry that's really not part of the question in exactly. senior positions especially men in senior positions uh for some reason they don't take young women especially seriously but it can happen to a same age female colleague that's that doesn't really matter um but i also think because of all these societal expectations and everything that the society teaches you as well as a kid this gets internalized in women as well so sometimes when as a female a male colleague questions you or makes you feel smaller or doesn't credit you sometimes we accept it in my opinion because or maybe the first reaction will be just to suck it up because we are used to deal with that on a daily basis it's like minority groups are already used to deal with discrimination which i think mm. it's totally wrong because no one deserves any way of discrimination in any way shape or form because of their uh, the minority group that they belong to whereas if it's skin color or gender assignment or whatever um i think we are all equal despite anything that we show on the outside or we chose to do in the inside and like i said i think this is like a combination you know like we accept to be treated differently or to be more questioned than a male colleague because we are so used to deal with that that sometimes we become like well what's going to happen if i stop this male colleague someone else will come mm-hmm. ne- later 
and it will do the same. And is anything going to change at any point of history? That makes sense. So I've been guilty of that as well. And um, right now I'm really lucky in my job, but I have, I have had previous experience of being discriminated for my gender. And I was discriminated in points that I know scientifically I was correct. So why are you questioning me? Is it my age? Is it my position? Is it because I'm a student? Is it because I'm a female? Is it because I have really clear the path that I want to do? And I've been guilty of not saying things out loud as well. And I think now, especially with this podcast and with all the amazing women like you that I have interviewed so far, I've become more aware of what you girls are doing to, to challenge that. And at this point of my career, if I see someone uh, discriminating a female colleague in front of me, I am going to speak up and I'm going to challenge that and I'm going to question that academic or boss or whatever for those actions because I think part of the change is going to come from all of us together as a community exactly. and also in between different groups, different countries, different um, gender assignments, skin colors, that doesn't really matter. Um, so even if you want to, like you said, you want to go out of Pakistan, that's amazing because you are going to carry your legacy outside your region and you are going to inspire more women in your region to go out as well and i think step by step we are going to challenge all of that and i think we will challenge current bosses that are in senior positions to see that change when they're going to hire someone in the next grant that they get if that makes sense yeah i i would really want to add that we are like Currently, whoever is working at Precision Medicine Lab, we are very lucky. We are very mm. privileged that uh, girls are more appreciated. Yeah. Girls, uh, like uh, even when there are interviews mm. or even when there is uh, any selection uh, of new researchers, so mm. there are more girls than boys. But uh, still, I think if, even um, when I was talking about being questioned or being not equally appreciated or anything, mm -hmm. uh, there comes a point in your life when you have to speak up yeah. for yourself mm -hmm. or for your community. Yeah. Uh, because if you do not do that, they, it becomes a norm. Yes. It becomes normal. Yeah, and when you and when you show resistance for them, it's like, oh my God, she can speak up. <laughs> yes, indeed. Honestly, yes. I'm, I'm very outspoken. Hmm. So uh, whenever the guys in my lab they have something to say in front of them, I'm I'm like this. Yes, like I'm equal. Yes, I equal. I equally question them. If they question me, I question them as well. Yes. So I don't know how it will sound, but they uh, they try not to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Boss lady, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> girl rules. <laughs> yeah, girl rules. My oh. my colleague, she calls me bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a fan of this moment. <laughs> yeah. 
because out there to all the girls i want to i want to say to them that please speak up for yourself yes. if something is wrong speak up do not get afraid that someone is going to uh degrade you or something is uh, someone is going to throw words at you or anything just speak yes. up just mm. just stand on your grounds yes and and speak up for your community mm. if a girl she cannot talk stand for her yes because i i come from a background my mother is very strong she's like headstrong mm-hmm. she cannot take anything from anyone she was an uh, she was an educationist and she has always fought with the higher authorities yes. with the men sitting on the mm. higher chair yeah yeah so i i got it from her and i really want for the other girls to take that from me yes so i i think there comes a point when every girl should understand that with all this education with the, all this exposure with all this intelligence if not superior mm-hmm. you are equal to men yes Intel- intellectually yeah work wise and in any other way mm-hmm. because you you see there there is a common uh, throughout the world there is one thing which is common in women that is we are multitaskers men yeah. are not <laughs> men can only men can only focus on one thing but indeed <laughs> we are multitaskers yes we are goddesses we are we, we should are. own that thing yes and we should not be afraid of the people out there and we should not be afraid what people are going to think about us or talk about us we should be confident about ourselves mm-hmm. so that's that's it <laughs> well i i honestly you are really making me cry today <laughs> this is such an amazing inspirations about this is so good and to be honest it it sounds really simple but it's more difficult than than it sounds you know because mm. coming back to my to my previous words i think from early age as women we are taught differently than men you know um i've always been surrounded by female colleagues like i said on my undergrad and on my masters but to be honest as much as i loved being a scientist and pursuing my career in science i never thought about becoming a boss as a female because leadership positions and and highly paid positions are associated with men and from a young age you are taught to be more quiet uh less assertive because you are braggy uh if someone says something nasty to you just forget about it just follow with what you're doing uh just keep working hard otherwise you are considered less of a scientist but if you work too much then oh she's bragging she works too much why she does that it's like you can never win <laughs> so stressful so learning to coexist and demand your own space i think is something really difficult 
and you did set up an amazing example for me today and i'm going to get inspired from today in my job to to i, I hope this inter i hope this interview doesn't trigger men <laughs> <laughs> no i mean sorry guys it's yes, sorry it's the reality it's the reality <laughs> deal with it hey, absorb they, it they need to know men they need to know yeah. you know um I have two fantastic male ambassadors in this podcast because um obviously female is the the target audience of this podcast and the next generation of female but I like the same way you said there are toxic females which there are many of them um we need to recognize as well when male colleagues wants to support us and we need yeah. to recognize when we have male colleagues that they want to hear us they want to hire us and they want to yeah. recognize us because there are <laughs> yeah there and, are and some of them really, yeah yeah there are some of them and they are like i would call them gems oh yes because because we uh, like i am not saying that every man or every woman uh, is toxic no 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 if i am sitting here if i have been given this opportunity it's because of a man hmm. it's because of the male colleagues i am surrounded by yeah it's with it's it's with their support or yes. with the support of my father and my brothers that i'm yes. here yeah 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 like honestly people think that uh in in pakistan because i'm from pakistan i will uh, talk about it's that uh men and brother men if they are fathers if they are brothers mm. they do not support uh education of their uh female family members yeah it has completely changed yeah there might have been a time but no mm. and yeah it might be in some regions that are they are not letting but believe me all over the pakistan mm. men are forcing women to to educate yourself to mm. educate themselves so it's it's quite amazing uh, without the support of these men without their trust in us we wouldn't have achieved what like just just your father you were talking about your father mm. uh, that he supported your idea of a career mm. same goes for my father yeah. you won't believe it that i have a politically uh, political and literary background mm. no one no one has any um, scientific knowledge with them mm. but when i told my father that i want to be a scientist he mm. supported me he didn't mm. forced me to become a doctor he didn't force me to become a teacher he exactly. said girl whatever you want to become just make me proud ah bless him <laughs> <laughs> yeah and 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 same goes for the teachers that we yeah. had on different stages of our life our mentors exactly i have always been supported by men hmm. but i will also talk about the toxic men that i faced yeah that i ignored on different stages yeah so i would say that no matter any gender if it's male or it's female none is perfect no 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 
you get bad people on everywhere one side you get bad people on the other side everywhere yes. so you you cannot just target one uh community mm. both are equally responsible yes. and both should learn to coexist support mm. each other respect each other exactly. and that's how we can move forward and we can make this world a better place to live for the coming generations and honestly our generation we uh, and and the generation uh, before us only we can change this mindset yeah even if we want we can change ourselves right now but mm-hmm. if we really want to and this is how we are going to uh, make uh, the coming generations better for ourselves mm-hmm. for their coming generations so yes. it's it see it's a whole process it takes time it's, yes it's hard to it's hard to understand but we should really start working on that exactly exactly yeah. well yeah i i do agree 100% in in what you just said um i've been 6 years in the uk now um working in the same lab with my boss he's a male and i will not be here without his opportunities you know i work hard for my projects for my papers uh for my phd for my postdoc uh you know multitasking all the way through um but i'll i will not be here if it wasn't because of his mentorship and his opportunities you know i work now in tissue engineering um i was before that i was highly based in cancer pharmacology i will never thought right now in my career to work with 3d models and to work with all this really cool stuff that he yeah. introduced it to me he mentored me he gave me a lot of opportunities um when i told him last year about my idea with this podcast uh, which it was obviously going to it was going to take me time outside my job it was going to take some of resources some of my time resources for interviews for planning everything he was like do it it's amazing go for it i don't care when you do it but do this because you are going to inspire people you are going to meet new people you are going to get opportunities and it's true i've been in the local radio i've been meeting so many amazing women like you i've been doing like uh, shows at schools or giving talks in different things here in the uk and he supported me all the way through and he never questions when if i need to leave early for an interview or if i need to take some time for something else because he believes in in the opportunities that this will give to me and not only with my mm-hmm. podcast but also with my science you know like mm-hmm. look at this grant look at this look at that you know just to keep moving forward yeah. and that's yeah. so important to acknowledge because uh, like you said there is toxic people everywhere every country every gender doesn't matter where you are there is always bad people everywhere but there is also good people everywhere mm-hmm. um so we need to recognize those male mentorships that they are in senior positions or younger positions and they want to help us um but also learn to coexist one with with each other and and just target those toxic 
uh, role model, well, they are not role models actually, but those toxic um, senior academics or industry positions that are there and we need to target mm -hmm. them. And I think one step closer to the change will be just to work together as a society, men to men and woman to woman and woman to men as well. Yeah. You know, it goes equally in around all exactly. the circle. Exactly, exactly. Wow, you are inspiring me so much. I'm blown out. <laughs> this is so good. Um, and so I think you are an amazing role model. Uh, like I said this many times in this in the space of this interview, but I just want to keep, you know, saying this message because you do like you are so inspiring. I only met you today, but I can see from, you know, your words and, and your speech, how inspiring you are and how sure and how assertive you are of your of your own values and, and the visions that you have for the future. Um, so I want to ask you one last question to finish this amazing interview that if it was for me, I will continue this for, I don't know, a month, but <laughs> my laptop is going to run out of, of energy <laughs> for that. So, um, you know, let's try to, to grab everything that we have spoke so far in your episode. And we were talking about younger generations, right? So yeah. let's say that you have a group of little girls or female, uh, young female uh, that are trying to think about what they want to do. They want to go for a career in science, but they are not sure either because they are in an, in an underrepresented community or because they feel it's not accessible to them because they, they didn't see no one that looks like them. If you have that group in front of you, what would you tell them to, to inspire them to get into, into STEM and to give them the confidence to just to fight for what they want to do. Um, it's, it's honestly a huge responsibility because uh, when you talk to the coming generations, the young people, you should always put words in front of them mm -hmm. uh, that they can really relate to or that can, because when you're talking to kids, it really affects them. It can make them or it can break them. Yeah. So I have just few things, not only for the girls, mm -hmm. but for the little guy kids as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, first of all, they should believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. Whatever people is saying to you that, no, you cannot do this. Do not believe it. Mm -hmm. Because if you like something, either it's arts, it's science, it's engineering, even if you want to be a drummer, be a mm -hmm. drummer because <laughs> you can do it yes. because you love that thing. So you should always go for something that you love mm -hmm. and you should always believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. so, and, and try to create a network for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, that can give you positive energy that motivates you yeah. at every step that can give you a positively critical uh, comments or suggestions or something like that. Mm -hmm. And yes, the most important thing uh, that you should be 
open or you should be outspoken about the challenges that you face and the challenges that you had at every step of your life. Mm -hmm. And you should talk to people about that. Mm -hmm. That is how it's going to help others find better ways to support you mm -hmm. and to get support from you or to get learning from you. Mm -hmm. And in the same time, you should be realistic about your uh, future, about what you're going to do. That's very important. And mm -hmm. ultimately, the last point is that this is your life. Yep. And you have to decide what things are worth fighting for mm -hmm. and what things are not worth your time and energy. Mm -hmm. And you're going to excel a lot and you're going to be something that you really want to become if you take these few points and make them a part of your daily life. Mm -hmm. Oh my days, this is so good. <laughs> this is probably one of the most inspiring interviews I have ever done. <laughs> these are such amazing inspirational messages for next generation, not only females, but also males. Uh, it's really important to raise both genders equally from a very younger yeah. age. Otherwise the problems arise from a very early age. Um, so Sabaun, I don't know about you, but I have learned so much about you. I think you are setting up an amazing example for many, many people uh, in both genders equally. Um, I'm so happy to have met you today and that you are part of this small uh, family podcast, family community. <laughs> if that makes any sense, I am. I'm, I'm very happy uh, to be to be here today and talking to you, be, being part of the I Belong podcast. Hmm. And it's it's a very amazing opportunity, and I really appreciate that you're doing such an amazing job oh, uh, of, giving, of giving of uh, giving the girls from different communities, from different regions, the opportunity to speak up and to talk about what they are working on, what challenges they are facing day to day uh, in their careers or in their personal lives. And uh, it's, it's very amazing. It's, uh, and every uh, one should do that. Honestly, uh, even uh, you are talking to a global community, mm -hmm. but there should be podcast for every country mm -hmm. and women should do it and mm -hmm. they should uh, introduce in it their own women and then make it global so that yep. others can listen to them. Exactly. So yes. honestly, this is amazing and best of luck for your future mm -hmm. and for the things you are doing. This is very much inspiring, honestly. Oh, you're making me cheery up today like crazy, man. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Thank you so much, uh, Sabaun. You have been an amazing inspiration. Um, and I hope everyone that listens to this episode gets as inspired as me. Uh, so thank you again for sharing your story, your values, your visions, and your work as well. Uh, kudos to everyone that works in your lab for the amazing science and, and database that you guys are doing. It's a lot of work. It takes many hours. It takes many efforts. And um, I think you guys are nailing it. So thank you so much uh, for being here today.
and uh, in the end i would just like to say that kudos to our uh, pi uh, yes. dr faisal khan because uh, he whatever uh, we are today or uh, if if we are uh, communicating our science to the world it's just because of him hmm. uh, because he has provided us with such an amazing platform in the shape of precision medicine lab uh, that we are not only focusing on the science area but communicating science as well and this is amazing uh, in in pakistan to the all to all the uh, to all the leaders are to all the uh, higher authorities that are working in science i would really uh, ask them that be like that and provide the youngsters with uh, such opportunities so that they can be voice of pakistan in the coming years and that's how we are going to excel and thanks to him and thanks to you uh, this is no, really amazing shout out to him as well for for the amazing job that he's doing uh definitely and yes thank you thank you again for being here it's such a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much no